0: So Money Episode 720, Libby Leffler, Vice President of Membership at SoFi.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons?
0: Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Our guest today negotiated with the tooth fairy as a kid. So you can only imagine her success now as an adult. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm Farnush Tarabi. Libby Leffler is our guest today. After driving a hard bargain with the Tooth Fairy, she went on to become a founding member of LeanIn.org and work closely with Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg. Libby later received her MBA from Harvard Business School, where she was also co-class president. She is a Forbes 30 Under 30 alum and was also featured by Business Insider as one of the most important women in tech under 30. Today, Libby is Vice President of Membership at Social Finance, or SoFi, a company that we have highlighted here on So Money many a times. It offers innovative products and tools for lending, wealth management, and more. And there, Libby oversees the company's member community to help them achieve their financial and career goals through events across the country. Here's Libby Leffler. Libby Leffler, welcome to So Money. It's great to finally connect with you. I feel like our worlds have been colliding in the last six months. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm just such a big fan of So Money and
1: it's awesome to be here and chat with you today.
0: Thanks. Yeah, we have some mutual connections. And of course, I am a fan from afar as someone who really appreciates what SoFi offers to consumers. We've had in the past on co-founder Dan Macklin, CMO Joanne Bradford. And so it's no secret that I'm a real cheerleader for SoFi as a, a wonderful new, new-ish company that is helping consumers with everything from loans to their careers. Your role specifically, Libby, is VP of Member at SoFi, which I think is a real differentiator when it comes to when you're looking at the kind of the landscape of financial technology and financial services companies out there, especially those that are online oriented. Tell us a little bit about your responsibilities and and how you interact with, with the SoFi community. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: we're really excited about the way that we always think about and put our members at the very center. Um, at SoFi we're focused on the ways that we can help our members get ahead. So in addition to offering all the things you talked about, right, student loan refinancing, personal loans, investing, um, You know, we also offer our members a whole suite that comes along with their membership just because we want to help them get ahead. To us, our members are not customers. They really are members. And so we mean that in the things that we do with and for our members to help enable their careers and their money journeys and also to help them with their relationships. So the first big thing I would say um, that we're very focused on with membership is our community events. And we do hundreds of community events every single year, all across the United States, totally for free for our members to attend that range from everything from social and network networking opportunities to career opportunities and career seminars and more. Um, these are really great chances for our members to meet one another and we love bringing them together to be able to do that. The second piece that we're focused on is our one-to-one career coaching and the career services that we offer at SoFi. And like you know so well, um, investing in your career, understanding your worth and having a vision for how to get there are so important to be able to achieve those career goals. And so as we think about career, we really want to be able to give our members access to the best career coaches in the industry who can help them create that vision for who they want to, what they want to be in their career and how to get there. And so we're very invested in that piece of what we do. Um, And finally, I would say On the online side, we have a very engaged Facebook group of over 40,000 members. The group is available just to those members. About 10,000 of them come back every single day. And they're engaged with each other in that group across advice, tips and tricks. I go into the group quite frequently. I also pick up advice and tips there. And so that's a really great way that we sort of marry the offline and the online to really bring together and bridge the membership experience at SoFi.
0: What are some of the hot topics that are coming up that are trending right now in your community that that you said, you know, even like you're learning some some tips and tricks from the conversations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing that emerges and the strongest member insight that we see is that financial independence means so many things to so many different people. And so we really see that emerge through that member group. So for one person, it might be what you're talking about, right? Not having to take that one job because you're worried about paying the bills, but instead being able to make choices and whatever those choices might be, right? We're agnostic to what they might be, but we want to help foster and reward our members' ambition, whatever it might be, whether your ambition is to save for a big vacation, whether it's to spend more time with family, whether it's to take the big job and the risk on something that you might not feel ready to do yet. Um, Those are some of the biggest things that we see coming through and really emerging through both our one-to-one interactions with members and also in our Facebook group. Um, We also have topics that are kind of new and interesting on the forefront of career guidance and advice. So one of the things that came up um, just a few months ago was this idea of mid-career sabbaticals. Tarnoosh, I don't know if you've ever heard of anyone taking a mid-career sabbatical. I've had a few former colleagues who've taken these uh, over time we've got a lot of members asking us about this, right? Uh, at some of the companies that our members are working at, there are benefits when you stay for a certain period of time where you can take that sabbatical. And many are asking, should I do this? Is it good for my career? How do I think about it? You know, relative to my own success and relative to the goals that I have for my career. So I would say that, you know, there are all different things that emerge. Those are just some of the new things that we're seeing. And then of course, there's the regular standbys. Everyone's always looking for advice on how to be a better negotiator. People oh, are yeah. always looking for advice on how to ask for a raise and how to do it tactfully and how to do it in a way that your boss will be receptive to. And so our coaches are constantly fine tuning um, that advice and jumping into those conversations as well through our Sofi members Facebook group to offer those, uh, you know, great great kernels of wisdom alongside our members who you know are so engaged and often comment. To help one another as well, which is part of the benefit of being part of this community. Mm.
0: I want to brag a little bit about you, Libby. I offered, obviously, the introduction to you and your bio, but... um, I want to just recap. So before SoFi, you've worked at Facebook and Google. You uh, worked closely with Sheryl Sandberg. You went to Harvard Business School, have your MBA from there. Marie Claire Magazine named you one of the most influential women in America. My gosh, that's huge. Forbes 30 Under 30 alum. <laughs> that's if, very generous. That was very no, generous. No, well, I'm, you know, uh, they, they I love, they, the Marie Claire editors uh, are very selective. I, I They uh, make no mistakes. Um, um, and so, if you were to give a maybe a title to this chapter in your career in your life, that now you've landed at Sofi and leading the um, the you know the your head of membership and all of that, what what would sort of be the the name of this chapter? And what are you hoping to sort of achieve in this period in your career? As I know, you're just you're you know your your star is really rising.
1: Oh gosh, well thank you. I mean, that's just such a such a compliment, especially coming from you, Farnoosh. I would say, you know, really kind of the book across the board. You're asking about the chapter. I'm really early in my career. So I still think of this as part of sort of the first chapter. It's of the foreword. <laughs> it's, it's you know, we're we're into chapter one now, I think. But I would say, you know, really the common thread across the board. Of all of the work that I've done across the great companies that I've had the opportunity to work at, at this awesome company, Reinventing Personal Finance, is all about community building. Um, you mentioned I was at Google. I was also at Facebook for several years. You know, that's all about people and here at SoFi today as vice president of membership, my role is all about the way that we connect our members, the way that we give our members access, solutions, and opportunity. And so as I think about it, you asked me about the first chapter. Again, I think I'm kind of at the beginning or in the middle of that first chapter. Um, and really, it's all about How do you bring people together? Um, Trying to be, you know, a great person in the community, trying to be a connector, Um, like you said at the very beginning, right? You and I kind of have been connected through different people um, over time. I think it's always great to be able to bring people together to help them achieve their goals. Um, And if I can help, you know, others achieve their goals, I feel like that makes me, uh, you know, feel a lot closer to what I'm aiming to do kind of in my career and in my work, um, you know, at SoFi especially.
0: I'm going to guess that so- when you were growing up and you were in going through school that you were Super organized, really driven, um, ambitious, great student. But what is something about you that falls short? Give me something, so I'm not so jealous of you, um, or so envious, right? Like, what is like a weakness or something that you know? I was terrible at physics, even though my father is a PhD in physics. I got a D one one quarter in physics, and you know what? I almost like wore it like a badge of honor because I felt like such a cool. <laughs> I felt like such a rebel. I was like, I got you know. Um, um yep. but yep. Uh-huh. I'm not that I'm not the greatest at science. I'm not the greatest at um also delegating work. I'm a terrible boss. Um so what's something about you that uh you know is is not a you know five stars?
1: Yeah. So uh um- I am very organized, as you would say. I would say maybe organized to a fault. I don't think it's a, you know, I think you should be able to kind of go with the flow a little bit. I'm getting better at that. It's taken some time over the years. I mean, the other thing that is really ingrained and that I work on every single day is how quickly I move. So we all want to move quickly. We all aspire to move fast. Um, There are good... And bad things as it comes to moving quickly. I think that there are times when if you move so fast that you're kind of, you know, leaving behind critical and important details, um, that can be an issue. So I'm always trying to be as thoughtful as I can. I have really sort of strong instincts about where things should go, where we want to go strategically, um, what the insight is and what the insight or the takeaway might be. Um, And so when you move really quickly and you have those instincts, you think kind of everyone else around you is also on board. That's sort of one of my development areas among the many development areas I have, believe it or not, Farnoosh, which is, you know, to slow down, to be methodical, To take a minute and despite what my instinct is telling me, to also consider the other side of the equation. I think that's a really important lesson that I've learned in the last several years. Certainly learned this from Joanne Bradford, who you know, you know, who brought me to SoFi, who's an amazing mentor here at SoFi, you know, to really be thoughtful and to consider sort of all of the things that are going on before making kind of a knee-jerk decision or a knee-jerk reaction. But look, we all have plenty to work on. I focus on this every day. We have a great membership team here at SoFi. We have a great broader team here at SoFi. You know, one of the things I always try to do is ask my team for feedback. Um, You know, I haven't always been perfect at this. I thought for a long time that everyone just gives people feedback um, on What they're thinking and it's kind of transparent or an open book. The reality is, you know, we have to constantly ask for this feedback all the time to improve what we do and get better. So that's something I've really practiced over the last several years, especially um, is asking people for feedback, how they're doing, checking in, realizing that those small moments of personal connection really mean so much even in the world when you're moving super, super fast um, and things are changing like crazy around you, is just to slow down, take a minute and really connect. And again, it goes back to that community building, that connection, right? I'm all about connecting with people. um, And sometimes I have to remind myself to slow down a little bit and keep those connections going. I want to keep that personal connection and ask for feedback about how I can get better um, so I can create new development areas. So, if you have stuff for me after I'm gonna ask you after this
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, I'm an open book <laughs> exactly. um, in your efforts to get feedback, did you ever ask your your former boss, Cheryl Sandberg for feedback and and if so, what did she ever bestow upon you?
1: yeah, that's a great question, so um, you know, if you read anything about Cheryl, if you've read Lean In, she talks a lot about feedback as a gift, and so I would say that. You know, the greatest piece of feedback that I ever received from Cheryl um, was to take my seat at the table and to lean in. And while it doesn't sound that original now, given how popular her book has become, how big leanin.org has become. You were one of the
0: first <laughs> lean in
1: disciples. I mean, I was <laughs> definitely a lean in convert very early on. I was fortunate to be able to have that advice from Cheryl. Pretty early on, you know, in, in some feedback that she was so open and willing to give me. And really, that changed my career. Um, you know, it gave me sort of the confidence to remember to take my seat at the table, to know what my worth was and what my value was, and to know that if I prepared for a meeting and there was something I had to say, to not back away from saying it. And that was one of the single most pivotal moments, I would say, in learning lessons that I had. So really one of the most important pieces of feedback I've received.
0: Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed or they can do it for you and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com/so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com/so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com/so money. let's go and talk about Libby little Libby growing up we <laughs> um, we already established that you were pretty type a as a kid but when it came to learning about money we talk about this with guests often because it's it's undeniable your your kind of relationship with money as an adult good bad meh stems from <laughs> a childhood at least partly so what is a story from growing up that really captures the financial introduction that you got as a kid, the, the kind of the beginnings of your learning about money, what, what was the story and what did you learn?
1: Great question. So when I think about my family, you know, money and business and work was always part of the dinner conversation at my house. Um, my dad worked. my mom still works today, um, my parents are in real estate. My whole family works in real estate. Um, so I'm kind of the outlier, I guess I would say. Um, and my parents often talked about, you know, my dad's a commercial real estate broker. He often talked about the deals he was doing. My mom is a CFO. She would talk about kind of the different challenges that she had at work and the different things she was going through. And I think talking about money, hearing about this work, Piqued my interest at a really early age and got me more fluent early on about how money works, how business works, how you build companies, and... You know, I always had a healthy respect, I would say, for especially when your family works in real estate, how deals are negotiated. So, one of the earliest stories is kind of my family lore that I would say that really kind of speaks to who I am and my personality is, you know, my dad retells this quite often about being little and negotiating with the tooth fairy.
0: No way.
1: I I did negotiate with the tooth fairy. This is a true story. Um, And I would ask for, as I would lose, teeth, more money per tooth. So my dad will often recount the story that at the end of losing my teeth, that I was up to $5 a tooth, Um, which now looking back on it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I was never afraid to negotiate or ask for what I wanted and what I felt I deserved. When it came to money and that started at a really early age and truthfully, my parents really encouraged it and they were kind of, you know, always helping me to gain sort of a fluency and a knowledge and an understanding of how these things work, how their business worked, and, you know, really humored me when I negotiated as my teeth were falling out.
0: Oh my Which God. is a pretty oh – that's thats a long time ago. That is a so. first on this episode, on this podcast, <laughs> Negotiating with the Tooth Fairy. Um, well, fast forward to your adult life, negotiating for yourself for uh, a raise. Uh, mm-hmm. What's a story that you can share? You don't have to get specific about the employer, but um, a pivotal moment for you when it came to asking for what you knew was your worth, uh, maybe – a a lesson for all of us, uh, something that you, you know, you practiced and it worked or a trick and you applied it and it worked other than of course, you know, doing the market research and all of that stuff that we already know. But are there any like hacks that you have utilized along the way? Yeah. One
1: of the things that I did early on in my career was I would always keep on a quarterly basis, um, like a running list of kind of the big projects I was working on, what my goals were. So you always have your goals on a team, whether you set them on a quarterly basis, maybe you have annual goals or a half year basis, but I'm always tracking toward those goals. But above and beyond that, I also have all sorts of other goals that I'm tracking in my life, right? Things that I want to do personally, um, things that I'm hoping to achieve at home um, with my family, with my friends. Um, There's other personal goals I have, like fitness goals, whatever they might be. And I was always keeping this like running dock of what those goals were and kind of the things I was doing to achieve them. Was I making progress toward those goals? And what I realized early on is that you know, I had this kind of running doc that was incorporating the goals that I had at work. But then there were all these other projects that I was doing and working on and taking on and things I was really excited about in the workplace. And I started tracking those there too. So anytime that I thought, okay, I can demonstrate really clearly, I've met or exceeded, ideally exceeded the goals that I set for myself in this period of time. And I contributed to the organization in other ways that were material and that mattered to the business. And here's how I did that. And having all of that, having sort of a record of all of that, having that detailed out what I did, the specifics, the metrics, and kind of how I knew it drove something meaningful, make it really easy to walk in and say, here's what I did, what you expected. Here's what I did above and beyond And here's how I'm going to continue to deliver. Because it's not just about what you did looking back. It's also about how you plan to deliver going forward. And so I always thought about it in that way. It's actually been a great record for me to look back on and say, you know, how have I grown in the workplace? How am I continually, continually developing myself personally, becoming a better leader, becoming a better business person, becoming better at what I do? And fine tuning how I'm contributing to our business. And so I've never been one to shy away from taking on additional responsibility. I've never been one to shy away from doing jobs I'm not yet ready to do. There have been plenty of jobs in the history of kind of my experience to date where, you know, I took things on that I maybe wasn't yet ready to do. And that was the most exciting part. So when you're asking me about a hack, I would say, keep track of the stuff you're working on and the ways that you're contributing above and beyond, it's a really easy way. It's often when you're very busy, it's easy to forget all of that stuff in the ways that you're contributing. But if you can make it very simple for your boss or whomever you're asking for that raise from to understand how you chipped in, what you did, you can't look to them to materialize that for you. You've got to own that. And that's my biggest advice for anyone who's seeking out, you know whether it's a bonus, a raise, a promotion It's to make it easy for someone else, package it up so that they can really clearly understand the value that you're bringing. It's not always going to work perfectly. You can keep nothing on that conversation over time. It's not a one, it's not a one time ask and you receive deal. This is, you know, when you're in the workplace, this is a compact that you have with someone on how you're going to deliver in the workplace and continually deliver. And to me, it's an ongoing conversation.
0: Yes. And because you're making it easier for your boss, they're more likely to go out and be an advocate for you because the buck doesn't always stop with your boss. He or she then has to go to his or her boss and right. or HR and, and see what the budget allows. And, and if you do make that easier for them, then they'll really appreciate it because ultimately that is what they have to do. They have to advocate on your behalf. But if you can just tell them what to advocate for, <laughs> or here's the proof, um, it's going to probably happen a lot quicker too. Um, wh- when it comes to your financial life, what is something that you're really good at and something that is a work in progress? So I'll start with kind of the work in
1: progress because, you know, I'm always focusing on personal development. So I would say, you know, as I think about finances and I think about my career over time, I'm always aiming to save more, to invest more, to get to a place of financial independence, whatever that might look like for me and and my husband. Um, And, you know, most of the stuff that's kind of silly that I've spent money on is really hanging in my closet. So when I look at sort of the stuff that I haven't, um, you know, the stuff that I've spent money on over time, I would say that now that I'm kind of in a different place in my career, I know how hard it is to kind of earn that money and how much harder it is to keep it. Um, You know, I see those kinds of things and wonder should I have really spent that on Investing that money instead of buying stuff because stuff doesn't really do it for me. It's really more about the experiences, it's really more about time, it's really more about time with people. That is the most meaningful. To me, right now um, in my life, I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I'm not that great at, but I'm getting better at realizing that the stuff is really less important than the experiences. And so that's something that as I've matured um, in my career, also in my personal life, that I've kind of gotten better at. I think things that I do well, I mean, my husband and I are pretty um, dedicated to, you know, Every month we have what we call a money date where we talk openly about money and we talk about the big stuff, the little stuff. I mean, all the way to like, where are we going to donate and give next year? What do we want to give to? To the small stuff down to, you know, hey, there's this like subscription every month for an app. Are we using this? If not, let's get rid of it. Because look, it's all on the table. Even if it's 15, 20 bucks a month, even if it's $5 a month, it all adds up. So we get together on our money date. We trim, we purge, we reassess as needed. And for me, I think that's something I'm really proud of that we've gotten really good at over the last, you know, 15, 16 months of being married to each other Um, because joining your finances is really complicated and, you know, I'd never done that before. I had no idea what to expect. And it's kind of a nice rhythm that we've gotten into. So I'm really proud of that. I mean, one thing that I would say that, you know, is interesting for me is when I started dating my husband, when he was, you know, when we were first dating on one of our very first dates, he looked at me and he said, Hey, I have to talk to you about something really serious. And I was like, are you breaking up with me? He's like, no, no, no. I got to talk to you about something really serious. It's really important to me. We got to sit down and talk about it. And it was, I think it was like our third or fourth date, really early in dating. And he said, look, I need to be honest with you. My husband's an MD. He said, I have a bunch of medical school debt. And I want to tell you this before we embark on a really serious relationship with one another, because this is something you need to know about me. That spoke volumes to me like the ability to talk to someone that you're dating early on, right? You're trying to impress people, you're trying to like show people the best side of yourself. And for someone to be so open, so candid about their sort of finances, where they are and how they've invested in themselves because of their ambition, to serve their ambition, to me it's almost foreshadowing sort of my journey to Sofi. And my real deep understanding and caring for our members and knowing what they've sacrificed to get there. And so that's something I'm really proud about.
0: What is a big ticket item that you're currently, you and your husband may be saving up for? This is a question that is brought to us by our sponsor, Chase Slate. We want to know what your next big purchase may be and how you're saving for it.
1: So we're always saving up for... Uh, the opportunity to invest more in our SOFI wealth account. So we invest in, um, you know, we try to take and set milestones for ourselves to invest aggressively so that we can build upon that wealth. So there's always little things that we're doing, right? We're always trying to save for a rainy day fund and an emergency fund. We're always trying to hit goals of like what our savings are for this year. But I would say like we have a big number that we want to hit and put into our SoFi wealth account so we can make more on that. And that's what we're really excited about right now and kind of aggressively planning toward. Do you see yourself retiring early? I mean, it depends on your definition of retire. I love working. I love to be able to contribute and to be part of something. For me, work is a real social experience. It's the opportunity to, you know, have a way to contribute and give back and make an impact. And so I don't ever see myself, I mean, I don't want to say, like, I never say, I don't want to say always or never, um, for anything. I don't know what the future holds, but what I would say is, you know, I'm loving the opportunity, especially at SoFi, to build community, to give back, to help build businesses, and to help be a part of something that matters to people and that matters in people's lives. And as long as I can keep doing that, I'll be out there pounding the pavement, making it happen.
0: Let's do some so many fill in the blanks to cap the episode. You've been so great, Libby. It's been a pleasure to learn about your Your past, your present, your future. Let's have some fun and fill in uh, some of these blanks. Don't overthink it. It's just one or two words. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you won the Powerball, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars. The first thing I would do is? Parnoosh, I would take some
1: risks. I think I'd try investing in crypto. Really? Yes, of course. I mean, I got that much to spare. Sure. I I mean, look. Of course, there's conservative things I would do, right? Like I have nieces and nephews, I'd invest in their college funds. But look, I think if you if it was like, I want a million dollars tomorrow, I would take it and just invest in some crazy stuff. I'd educate myself in some really interesting things that are out there, including crypto and other things, and really try to make that money work for me.
0: That's fine. I think that's when you do it. You know, I think that on unf- I think the whole crypto craze it, it's there I feel like we are talking about it as if like if you Aren't investing in it, you're missing out. And I think it, when the average American doesn't even have $400 in the bank account to cover a, an emergency, you know, yeah. that is crypto is just not something that should be on their radar. Uh, but sure, certainly, if, if you have money f- to invest in alternative things because you've done all the other good work of putting your money in the conservative places and you have a little bit of extra money that you're okay with losing, then things like crypto and, you know, other kind of riskier asset classes is. Is probably that's like that's the time to to really look at it more seriously. So I concur. All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is. Let me think.
1: So one of the things I love to do is write personal notes to people, like actual snail mail, which I know kind of dates me a little bit, especially having worked in the tech industry, but I love it. Like there's something so personal and tactile about receiving a letter in the mail, opening it and having someone's handwriting there. Um, and so I actually subscribe to a company that makes it super easy. They send me five letterpress cards every month that I love and five stamps and they come in this little plastic thing and I stick them in my purse or I stick them in my desk or whatever. And I take them around with me. And when I have five or 10 minutes, I'll jot off a note to a friend or I'll send a happy birthday card to someone that I know their birthday's that month. And, you know, it's a really easy way for me to stay in touch with people I care about. Again, it all goes back to community. I just get such a thrill from keeping those personal connections from building community. And this is a way I can keep that personal touch point going. Um, that makes my life easier. I mean, the other thing is, of course, there's all these on-demand apps. Instacart makes my life easier. If you have, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'm able to use an app like that for grocery deliveries. I have not always been at that point. Um, certainly not in my life and definitely not early in my career. And I made big sacrifices up front, um, including walking to the grocery store and walking home with the bags. But today I'm in a place where I feel like you know, I can use those types of things, those conveniences to make my life a little bit easier every day.
0: Well, and they include the stamps. I mean, how much easier can I get? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, Instacart, going back to the first thought you had, that was, I was still stuck on note cards because <laughs> that's how much I liked that one. It's true. I don't think there's anything uh, overrated, underrated about a classically written note card with your own ink and signature. Yeah. It's It's, it's timeless, and I hope that we never uh, give up that practice. Absolutely. All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is?
1: I think just the importance of why you pay taxes, how complicated they can be, and all of the nuances that go into it. So I really think that schools should have a class on this starting very early, like in middle school, junior high, whatever you want to call it, for you know why you pay taxes and why that's important. Um how you do it, and why to do it on time, or if you're not going to, what that means, and kind of all of the different nuances that go into it. Um, of course, like this is something as an adult that you just get more adept at every year as you go on. But I think if you're asking me what I wish I knew growing up, I wish I knew more about that growing up, because as an adult, I've kind of had to cobble around and sort of <laughs> figure figure it out as I go. And as I'm, you know, getting more sophisticated in some of the things we're talking about, which
0: is, you know, investing and, and how we're saving. All right. And when I donate, I like to give to blank because I love to
1: give to arts organizations. My husband and I both. Um, I think it's so important to keep arts education alive and for well-rounded education, especially in the public school system. I attended public school from the very beginning, all the way to my undergraduate degree at UC Berkeley, Um, it's so important to be able to have that arts education and that creative outlet for students. And so we donate um, to arts organizations primarily to be able to keep that arts education in schools um, because we think this is so important.
0: All right, I lied. This is the last one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Libby Leffler. I'm so money because...
1: Because I believe in my
0: version of what financial independence
1: looks like. Um, And I want to help others get there, too. So through my work at SoFi, I'm really focused on helping empower others to pay off debt, invest in their
0: careers, and take control of their money. Thank you so much, Libby. I look forward to following your career. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Farnoosh. It was awesome. You can learn more about Libby and SoFi at SoFi.com, also at SoFi on Twitter. Libby's personal Twitter is at libby lh. All this info is back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. Download the transcript and the audio. And if you have a question for me, you know what to do. Click on that Ask Farnoosh button, will ya? And send me your question for the Friday episode's I'm also pretty active on Instagram at Farnish Tarabi if you wanna connect with me there and just send me a direct message, a question. Sometimes I go live. It's a great way to instantly send me your thoughts on the go. Thanks for tuning in everyone. And I hope your day is so money.